This is Bruce Friedman of Adult Site Broker, and welcome to Adult Site Broker Talk, where every week we interview one of the movers and shakers of the adult industry, and we give you a tip on buying and selling websites. This week we'll be talking to comedian, podcast hostess, and performer Kate Kennedy. Adult Site Broker is proud to introduce ASB Marketplace, the first platform where you can buy and sell adult sites and domains for free. ASB Marketplace allows buyers and sellers a chance to come together on properties that are valued below our company's minimum of $50,000. Don't pay for other marketplaces when ASB Marketplace gives you this service for free. Visit asbmarketplace.com and sign up as a seller or buyer today. And don't forget ASB Cash, the first affiliate program for an adult website brokerage, where you can earn as much as 20% of our broker commission referring sellers and buyers to us at Adult Site Broker. Check out asbcash.com for more details and to sign up. Now let's feature our property of the week that's for sale at Adult Site Broker. We have just listed five amazing adult domains for sale. Any of these domains can be used to build a very successful and brandable website. The domains are sexo.com and pornflix.com, listed at $5 million each, ass.com, listed at $4.25 million, stud.com, listed at $2.95 million, and stripcam.com for only $695,000. For more information, contact us at adultsitebroker.com. Now time for this week's interview. My guest today on Adult Site Broker Talk is Kate Kennedy, hostess of the podcast Cam Girl Chronicles on I'm Live. Kate, thanks for being with us today on Adult Site Broker Talk. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. Now, uh, Kate is a comedian, uh, podcast host, content creator, and retired adult film star. And as I just mentioned, she hosts the podcast Cam Girl Chronicles, presented by I'm Live, which is an inside look at the wild and wacky world of online cam modeling. Now, Kate worked as a professional porn star, both in front of and behind the camera from 2017 to 2020. That was last year. Uh, and, uh, she retired then from studio work to focus on comedy and creating her own content on OnlyFans, where she is in the top 1%. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. It's the only Um, time I will probably ever be in the 1%. (laughs) (laughs) Give yourself some credit. Now, she lives in LA with her three-legged dog, Squeegee. Who may or may Uh, not interrupt us at some point. We'll see. She's a little sleepy. I gave her some toys, so we'll see. I've got four, so uh, I'm more likely to get interrupted. (laughs) Um, You can connect with her at L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E forward slash the O-G Kennedy with two N's. Cam Girl Chronicles is an entertaining peek behind the scenes of the world of Cam. This 10-episode series is fast-paced and hilarious with great stories, fun features, and plenty of surprises. Plus, play along with Munch Madness, uh, their weekly countdown at camgirlpod.com, exactly how it's uh, spelled, where you decide the winner. Cam Girl Chronicles is good, clean, dirty fun made fresh every Sunday. So, Kate... Um, tell me besides what I just described, what's your new podcast about? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty much what we described and a lot more than that. It's crazy. I interview cam girls from all over the world, which is so fascinating. Um, I'm up at like 6am to talk to girls in Bucharest every day. (laughs) Um, and like Colombia, all these different uh, crazy places. And it's just so interesting. We get to talk to sex workers from all over the world, um, and find kind of like our own, like commonalities between what sex work is like, and also just their unique perspectives. I really think that even as, you know, progressive as most sex workers are in like the U S and stuff, we still like kind of have a little bias about, sex workers overseas and it's just so interesting to really talk to these people that are from you know like places i've never heard of never been to and they're just so funny and cool and fucking smart and interesting and i want to travel all over the world and hang out with them now 
Um, mm. So it's really fun. We do a bunch of different features. A lot of it's crazy. I write these little like weird daily show style sex news segments every week, which are so fun mm. that we include in this uh, the show. So it's just been the best experience getting to create this show. And I'm really, really proud of it. What have some of your uh, favorite guests been so far? If I could put you on the spot. Oh man. Okay. I have to shout out um, Mia. Her I'm live name is sweet kiss Brazil. She is a fucking rock star social media mm-hmm. just like pushes the show um she's wonderful i mean you cannot listen to her and not be like this girl's the coolest ever um so mm. she's been amazing all of the girls we've gotten to talk to all of the people at that work at the studios because they work in especially in romania and studios yes like they go to these places that really they look like a vegas casino like it looks like you're at mm-hmm. the aria or like the bellagio mm-hmm. and they're in these beautiful uh environments where they have like people handling the equipment and nail ladies hair ladies makeup ladies they have a whole commissary i'm like i want to cam here um but they've all just been so fun they've all brought like different things to the table and it's been really really cool to get to get to know them yeah um yeah we did a we did a segment on on studios with andra who uh who runs one of the uh Mm -hmm. one of the studios there um now what advice do you have uh for interviewing sex workers maybe you can tell me because uh i do that a lot (laughs) yeah i'm actually working on a piece right now because i doing this project kind of inspired me to ask more questions because i've given oh man i love talking about myself so i've probably given hundreds of interviews at this point (laughs) um but like it started to make me think about like what questions do i get asked what questions do i like what questions do i not and so like i really i asked twitter just like openly like what are your least favorite questions that you get asked in an interview and how would you change them? Right. Mm. You know, cause like a lot of times you get asked about like, what were you like in high school or how did you lose your virginity? And it's like, okay, that's kind of icky. Right. Like I was like underage, like that's not cool to ask or like your family and stuff. Like, you know, I like my, the whole inspiration for that was like, I don't like being asked about my family cause that feels really personal and it's mm-hmm. no, you know, it's not their thing. So, um, I kind of like asked them and they, I got such good responses about like, oh, I would rather be asked about this or that. And so I think the way to do it, and I will be publishing this piece really soon, um, is just to, I mean, first of all, because you asked when we were setting up this interview as well, like, what do you want to talk about? What questions do you want? Like, ask Mm -hmm. us. Because mm-hmm. we know yep. what we want to talk about. We know what we're comfortable talking about. And we're pretty good at setting boundaries because um, you have to be. Yes. Uh, yes. You learn that really fast and uh, in sex work. So, you know, it's just like, kind of stuff like that. And um, I've gotten such good responses. I'm really excited to get to share them with everybody. So give me a couple of examples. And I am expecting you to send uh, send a link uh, to that article uh, to me so I can read it. But what are some examples of questions people want to be asked and then some some examples of questions people don't like to be asked? Okay, I'm pulling this up right now like on my phone because uh, okay. I did not have this like Jeopardy theme song in the back. All of my shit posts that I put on Twitter. Why do I do this to myself? I don't know. I don't because I have thoughts about that Meghan Markle interview and I felt the need to tweet about it like 10 times last night. Um, (laughs) Someone was like, are you okay?" And I was like, absolutely not. Didn't everybody have thoughts about Meghan Markle on that interview? By the way, we're we're recording this. We're recording this in March right after the interview. So just in case people are going, wait, that was two months ago. Oh, yes. Okay. So this is a really good one. So I pulled up this thread. Um, A lot of times people will ask you, like, what are your horror stories? What's your worst customer, your worst client, your worst scene? And it's like, stop asking me to tell on people who pay my bills. And who's going to want to relive that? Exactly. Ask me who my best or my most memorable was, right? Like, ask me who my Mm -hmm. favorite was, who's the funniest. Um... Let's see. How did you lose your virginity? That one cropped up a bunch of times. People really don't like being asked that. Um, Oh, this was a big one. And this only happened to me a couple of times. But um, a couple of people said that interviewers have literally asked them if they found them attractive and would they fuck them? Mm -hmm. Which like, okay, no. Like, that's so awkward. Um, (laughs) What's your favorite position? 
Because that's just a boring oh. one. Yeah. Like there's like one cute answer to that and it's CEO and it's been done to death. Um, Mm -hmm. mine is the one where you just like slam my face into the pillow. Um, and I can't breathe. That's my favorite one. (laughs) Um, uh, Oh, who's your favorite performer to work with? That's a really loaded one, right? Because like whoever else you worked with, if they are going to hear else you worked with is going to, is going to feel excluded. Exactly. And also every porn performer is going to say Manuel Ferreira because that's always the answer. Um, Mm. how did you start porn or why? Um, okay. which I understand. Is that, a good, is that a good one or a bad one? That's a bad one. And I understand okay. why people don't like it because there's for me, especially like there are a thousand reasons. Like there's like, it's such a complicated nuanced issue. Yeah. Right. Like I could talk about like unfair labor and hiring practices. I could talk yeah. about how all labor under capitalism is inherently exploitive. And if you're working yeah. in a coal mine, you're also selling your body. Right. Like I could also talk about like, I liked sex and at the end of the day, I didn't want to work a nine to five or I wanted, you know, the freedom. So there's so many different answers to that. Yeah. 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 Um, that it's not, you know, let's see, who's your favorite person to work with? How'd you lose your virginity? Those were big ones. I, I got a lot of responses on this. Okay. Um, so Kate, so Kate, how did you lose your, no, I'm not going <laughs> to ask you that. Um, <laughs> Um, I mean, what, what were some of the highlights of your performing career, uh, in, um, in, in adult video? Oh man. I mean, like all of it was really fun. I had a blast in porn. Mm-hmm. We're coming up on my, we're like four or five days away from my retirement anniversary, which is insane. Mm-hmm. Nice. I can't believe it's been a year. Um, mm-hmm. I retired early because of COVID. Like mm-hmm. whenever people are like, why did you retire? Like, cause COVID. Like I shot my last scene and then we went into lockdown the next day Great time to retire. Well, three weeks later I turned 26 and I was like, wait a second. Like we need to start thinking about something else because this isn't going to keep like going and I don't want to get my tits done. I'm not a teenager anymore. (laughs) I am. I can no longer convincingly play one. Um, so, you know, like, but all of it, all of it was so fun. I really got the opportunity to work for a lot of amazing companies, a lot of great directors with a lot of really cool people. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, like all I would say highlights were uh, I loved working for kink.com. I worked for them mm. many, many times. I have uh, several hoodies from them. They're great. Um, mm-hmm. Love them. And uh, just, I mean, everyone, I really didn't have like maybe one or two not great experiences, but I really never had a bad one. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I loved working I adult. I won't ask you what your worst experiences were because <laughs> I was on the list. Okay. Deal. <laughs> so what are some of the craziest stories you've heard in these interviews you've done? Oh my God. There's been so many and they're so fun. And I'm so glad the girls are like, feel safe sharing them with us. Um, yeah. My favorite one so far has been a guy that liked to get, uh, dress up in lingerie with a ponytail butt plug and dance around stripping to the bare necessities from the jungle book. Okay. I want that guy in my camera room. That would be so much fun for yeah, me. Yeah. He uh, sounds like uh, like a real card. Yeah. What, uh, are some, what are some other stories? Oh man. Um, let's see. There's a guy that likes to put frozen bananas in his butthole. That was a funny one. I heard one today that absolutely shocked me to my core. This girl said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Something shocked you and you worked in adult for, for you worked in uh, an adult for four years and, and you cam. Okay, go ahead. Uh, this girl today, this morning, and this is at like eight o'clock in the morning, mind you. And I'm not a morning person. So like (laughs) hearing these stories this early is crazy, but she, do you remember the Mentos and diet Coke challenge? Mm-hmm. Okay, this guy did the Mentos and Diet Coke challenge and put the bottle in his butthole. Mm-hmm. And my face, I mean, you can die doing like that can kill you. Like that was I literally was like, is he OK? Like, I need to talk to him now. I guess nothing. I guess nothing shocks me. I, I was I was I was trying to picture it going. Hmm, OK. Yeah, not something I do. Um, me neither not something anyone should do I want to make that really clear I did that and this podcast was like seriously the velocity of that liquid can rupture your colon and kill you please don't do that I don't 
well, I don't like things in my butthole, but then again, I'm, you know, I like girls. What can I say? So, um, what have you learned about camming around the world? I think the biggest thing has just been how, because I don't like to have like an American centric worldview. I really like to like break myself out of that, but I guess just how progressive attitudes towards sex work in other parts of the world are that we don't really understand here in the U.S. Like we, when I talk to these girls that are working at these studios in like Romania or in Colombia, like we can't even have studios like that here. It's considered a brothel. Like it would be illegal to have something like that. And they, no, there's no, there's some, there's some studios in the States. There's a couple, but it's really, really hard to legally be able to do that. And I know people that really? own a couple. Yeah. And it's uh, like, even in like Nevada, um, if you want to do something like that, you technically need like a brothel license. That's um, interesting because because uh, I used to work with uh, a cam company that had a studio in Nevada. Yeah, I never I never asked them if they had a brothel license. Yeah, there's a bunch of like legal issues. Um, and talking to like both the owners of the cam companies and then other people that are also just like in the adult industry about the logistics of doing that. Um, there's so much more red tape here, and also like the way mm. that they're. I learned stuff the way their peers understand, like especially online sex work is so Mm -hmm. different in other parts of the world. Like um, right now, Colombia is the largest growing cam market in the world. Yes. Um, And they have such a progress and it's so fascinating because right, this is this like South American country that's heavily Catholic and yet they have this incredibly progressive view of sex work. Like I have never met a Colombian cam model whose family did not a thousand percent support them. Sure. Um, She she a thousand percent supports them. (laughs) Exactly. Which is, I mean like totally fine. We, you know, we talk about sex work. It's really one of the only industries where you can make a very good living without those high barriers of entry, like a university degree Mm -hmm. or networking Mm -hmm. or inherited wealth. And I, I mean, I really think that the U S is falling behind on this run. I mean, here in Thailand, you can't imagine how many millions of people are supported by uh, prostitution here. Mm -hmm. I mean, they send their money home to their families. Absolutely. And it's accepted. It's still not legal, but it's accepted. <laughs> yeah. Look, and, and as far as the U.S. goes, the U.S. is so behind in so many areas. I can't even begin to tell you. And the more I'm in different parts of the world, the more I realize how far behind we've fallen in, in, in all these areas. And one area really is uh, the whole idea of morals you know, um, yeah, in Colombia, they're Catholic, but they're not evangelicals. Yes, it's not. It doesn't have that puritanical bent to it that so yeah. much of U.S. culture yeah. has that I think really yes. sets us back socially and economically so far, especially in terms of yes. like women's rights and liberation. I mean, it's International Women's Day as we're recording this. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, which, yes, you it know, is. Con- happy on International Women's Day. Thank you. Um, nobody has grabbed my pussy all day, so I don't even know what we're supposed to be celebrating, uh, but that's fine. Um. Uh, I'm, so, I'm sorry. So so what, what's it like working with I'm Alive? It's been wonderful. They have been so supportive of this project. Um, they've really mm-hmm. let us do so much of what we wanted to design the show. Like, I mean, it's been such a cool experience to really get to go in and say, like, we're going to do this show about sex work by sex workers, by people that understand this industry. And like to get to write on this show. I mean, I put in so many hours of work on the show every week, Mm -hmm. not just interviewing, but the writing and the jokes and all of the stuff that goes into it. And like just to see them be so happy with it and and also to let Mm -hmm. us design it in that way has just been incredible they've been so great um and they've supported the show so wonderfully with getting us the girls to interview and listening to our ideas we just had a meeting today about the last episode of the first season that went really well so it was very exciting and yeah they've they've been wonderful Great company. Great yeah. company. I've got lots and lots of friends over there in my Israeli homies. <laughs> um, so what goes into writing and creating a show like yours? Oh, my God. So much. 
Like <laughs> it's so much of me just sitting at my computer, like pulling up the online thesaurus, like looking up like different terms for sex. Like I, I have so many bookmarks on my computer now that I'm sure like the FBI is going to be pounding down my door any day now. Um, <laughs> it's a lot. I mean, between me and like Romaine, who's the producer and the editors and everyone that lays down the different pieces of the audio, um, to like the girls that are willing to speak to us and take hours out of their day to do so, which we're incredibly grateful for. Like it's such a team effort and it really is such a labor of love um, sure. because we love doing it. I mean, I sit and write these like dumb little daily show style news segments for hours. And I know my life would be so much easier if I didn't insist on writing all of them as like tongue twisters. <laughs> but I, Kate Kennedy adores alliteration my <laughs> joke um but yeah it's it's been so much fun i i get to do so much research and put just uh, it's just it's so cool it's just so much fun i i it's a lot of work but i absolutely adore every single second of it and i hate getting up in the morning hate <laughs> it and i am willing to wake up at 6 a.m to do this mm-hmm. like there's very little else i'm willing to wake up at 6 a.m for almost nothing i literally cannot name anything else <sighs> Wait until you get older like me. You'll be up. <laughs> My mom keeps saying that and it has not happened yet. Yeah, well, you're, you're 26. Yeah, I'm almost uh, 27. My birthday's coming up. Oh, my God. Yeah, well, you got a long way to go, girl. Um, it just started happening to me and I turned 63 in October. So what's been the biggest challenge creating the podcast? <sighs> the time difference. Sucks. Um, oh, I live. Sure. I live in LA. Uh, their producers in New York. So, and then Bucharest is ten hours ahead of LA. So, yes. I'm getting up at six a.m. Super rough. Um, you know, good personal challenge for me. Um, I think just kind of uh, to me the biggest thing anytime I'm doing anything with in sex work or involving sex workers that also has like a mainstream media bent to it is that just, I want to portray these people honestly and in the way that they want to be, because I think that that's so Mm -hmm. rare. Um, I think it's so uncommon in that they get to tell their own stories. And so that's just been my kind of like guiding light Maxim in doing this is that I really care about the way that these girls are portrayed and i really care that they're portrayed honestly and in the way that they want to be so i put a lot of pressure on myself to Mm -hmm. do so because i know how i feel when i you know see media that doesn't portray sex work in a a real or honest light so you know but Mm -hmm. i think we've been able to do that so it's paid off Absolutely. Well, and then you're the perfect host for this show because you do it yourself. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, I think that that experience and like, I've been really honest the whole time. Like I have done cam. I was not very good at camming. Like I don't Mm -hmm. consider that a strength of mine. Um, Mm -hmm. These girls are much better at it than I probably will ever be. Um, But I do understand what they go through on a regular basis. I know what it's like to be doing a show for hours on end and be bored and not have anyone in your room and feel bad and, you know, and try to have to stick it out. I mean, these girls have an incredible work ethic. Yes. And I really want to highlight that. Yeah. And I think that, I think the ones overseas, if you want to talk about work ethic, I think they, they always, people overseas always have a better work ethic than Americans. <laughs> they really do. There's a reason we're falling behind in manufacturing our own porn, our own cars, our own anything. There is a very good reason. <laughs> Indeed. What's the, uh, what's been the biggest surprise so far? Um, I think, uh, and this is going to sound terrible because I'm going to come from my own biased standpoint, right? I love breaking down my biases. Sure. Like I think mm-hmm. that's so important. Um, I think I know. I think I know what's coming. But go ahead. Yeah, it's just how fucking cool these girls are. They're so mm-hmm. funny. They're so smart. They work so hard. They're sweet. They're cool. I want to hang out with them. Like mm-hmm. I kind of do this joke where you know, you know, like the scariest stripper in a strip club because I used to be a stripper as well. The scariest stripper <laughs> in the strip club is always like six feet tall and blonde, and her name is always Svetlana, and she's fucking terrifying. 
Right? Like Russian strippers are the scariest fucking people on the planet. Like you do not fuck I with will, them. I will break you. Literally, she will either break you or she will pee in your back, like which is a, a thing that happens at strip clubs. But like I it's been so rewarding to be able to break down that bias for myself and hopefully for people that listen to the show of that like I think we as sex workers, if we want to really fight for things like decriminalization and equal rights and, you know, this and to all of the nastiness that goes on around the way that like the mainstream world talks about sex workers, like we have to be united. We have to work together. And so getting to know these girls has just been an incredible experience. Like, again, I, I just want to go hang out with them. Like, well, when the live shows start again, uh, you certainly will have that opportunity at, uh, at some of the events. There's a couple in a uh, couple in Romania mm-hmm. and there's one in Colombia. Yes. And uh, yeah, you should definitely get the you should definitely get the guys that I'm live to uh, send you there. We are hey, hoping Shire. like hey, we you, are you listening? Send her to Romania <laughs> and to Colombia. And um yeah, we I brought mean, it up uh, with them that we really want to go. My mother is terrified. She's like a thousand percent sure I'm going to get taken, um, <laughs> which is so funny because like I've tried to get sex trafficked before and they've returned me every single time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no one is interested. <laughs> um, I know. I know. It's it's a hard knock life for a logical hoe. Um but uh, yeah, we're really hoping that we can go do this live just because I want the world to see this too. Like I really want people to get to see what I've gotten to see, not just in the podcast, but like on video, like live. Like I really want people to get to understand like these are women that are smart and capable and hardworking and are passionate about what they do. Well, you can do some remote stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, I plan to do it when the shows start up again. I plan to do some remote interviews. It will get me uh, some people that I wouldn't normally be able to get. Um, oh, and by the way, Russian hookers peeing on your back, that's 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 pricey. Man. Oh, in no, your bag. Not, oh, in your bag. In your, okay, like, well, stripper too. bag. That's happened to a couple of my stripper friends that they pissed off the wrong girl at the club and she peed in their bag. Never happened to me. I got a glass of water dumped in mine once. I was going to say peeing. I was going to say peeing on uh, peeing on a guy's back. That costs, man. That's expensive. So, um, what advice do you have for aspiring cam models and other adult content creators? Um, it's a, it's a, it's so funny because I know I wrote this question, but I literally just was talking to my best friend from high school earlier today. Um, and he wants to get into online content. Uh, not like porn but uh he wants to start posting like snowboarding videos and stuff and he called and was like how do you he's like i know this is your job like how do you do this and Mm -hmm. so i walked him all through it but my biggest tips are like you don't need to spend a thousand like millions of dollars don't do that Mm -hmm. like you don't need crazy equipment you need like your phone a couple of lights so don't buy into that because i totally did when i was starting um Go at your own pace, figure out what you like, figure out who you are and like research things like marketing and branding. Um, uh-huh. Keep your content consistent and, and make it fun. Don't put a ton of pressure on yourself. It's a grind. It takes years. I've been on OnlyFans since 2017 and I did not make enough money per month to pay my rent until November 2019 was the first time that I made enough money. I I made like $1,500 that month. And that was the Mm. first time I'd made that much. And I make much more now, um, obviously through the pandemic and through, you know, shifting my focus to that. (laughs) But uh, it's a grind. It takes a really long time. Like you are not a failure if you're not in the 1% overnight. Like Mm -hmm. you, you just have to put in the work, figure out who you are, who you should collaborate with where you're going to fit and, and just work at it. It's a job like anything else. It's the hours you put into it, the love you put into it and the passion you put into it. Okay. Now I wanted to ask you about your comedy career, um, with the podcast and your OnlyFans work. Do you really have much time for it and how active are you? I have no time for anything, but I make time for everything. Um, (laughs) so prior to the pandemic, I was doing, uh, probably five or six mics a week um, nice. and performing at the comedy store here in Los mm-hmm. Angeles. Um, I've gotten some really incredible opportunities to open for really big comics that have just been amazing and wonderful. Nice. Um, 
so I've, I've gotten really lucky in terms of that, um, especially within like the LA podcast scene, um, mm. to get to do kind of those rounds. It's been good for my online content and also my comedy career. Um, mm. but it's what I'm really passionate about. I had just started to go on the road at the beginning of 2020 before all this happened. Um, I'm really hopeful that I will get to do that again soon. I have a show coming up, uh, my first road show in over a year in a couple mm. of months i'm going up to or nice. in a couple of months couple of weeks i'm going up to big bear uh to go do a show with some of wow. my friends which will be very fun and i just yeah. i absolutely adore stand-up i love everything about it and uh mm-hmm. it's yeah it's hard i mean i think i think it's harder yeah. than porn and i think porn's yeah. pretty hard but like <laughs> um it's rough i mean it can be humiliating and deg- like i joke that i used to do hardcore porn but it just wasn't degrading enough for me so i got into stand-up comedy instead <laughs> so you went it wasn't degrading enough so you went to work for kink <laughs> yes <laughs> i asked them to hit me harder you're not allowed yeah, to eat shit on the internet you can in comedy <laughs> yeah well if, if kink and if kink's not rough enough then uh you're in trouble um okay I, i'm gonna ask you a question that you probably would tell me that you never ask a comedian but i'm gonna ask it anyway you ready yes tell me a joke okay do you think that salman rushdie was mad that he had to write the entire satanic verses in order to get a fatwa declared against him when all mia khalifa had to do was suck dick in a hijab because i would be mad <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> that was like one of the first jokes I ever wrote. It was my very first stand-up set that I ever did. And I was so proud of that joke. And like I got off stage and someone was like, that joke's really elitist. And I was like, you know what? I can't fucking help if you don't know who Salman Rush. Like, I can't help if I you didn't go to college if you don't know who <sighs> Salman Rushdie is. And if you don't know who Mia Khalifa is, or if your boyfriend who you're with at the show doesn't know who Mia Khalifa is, he's lying. Exactly. So there you go. It tells you everything you need to know about the audience right away. It's a great opener. Do you do you talk about porn in your in your comedy work? Absolutely. Yeah. It's. I mean, I. I really. I bet you get the I the, the guy's attention right away. It's one of those things. Like I really try to from the get go. Like I didn't want to be pigeonholed as like a comic that can yeah. only talk about one thing. Um. Yeah. So I when I first started, my entire set was about porn because porn is so funny and like you said, people their ears perk up. Like people are fascinated by it. They want to hear about it. Um, so when I first started, I did so many jokes like that. And then, you know, I really got very serious about it and was like, okay, this is a part of my identity. It's a part of my life. I don't want to hide it. I'm never going to be like, don't talk about it or don't mention that I did it. But at the same time, I want to be able to do social commentary and talk about my dating life or my parents or whatever on stage as well. And so, you know, I try to like mix it up with other stuff, but I definitely come back to it a lot. And if I feel like I'm losing the audience, it's a really easy thing to throw out there and be like, by the way, you can see my butthole on the internet. So if you don't think this is funny, (laughs) at least you can get off. Like, (laughs) okay. Uh, You you mentioned dating. How does, uh, I don't know, this might be also on the list of questions not to ask, but how does uh, performing, and I do mean adult performing, affect your dating life? Um, I do want to be clear. I'm not a, like, I did ask that question for other people because I care really deeply about the way that sex workers are portrayed, but like, there are like no questions that I won't answer. Like okay, good. literally like I just I'm a very open book about almost everything like I am happy to talk about things and you know but I I know that not everyone else is so it was more focused okay. on that I will I say I think dating and I I do a joke about this as well that like dating and stand-up I think is real is harder than dating and porn mm-hmm. Really? Um, I mean, like dating and porn is just like agreeing to like work a little bit of extra overtime for no pay <laughs> right <laughs> like sucks but if you I love that I love that (laughs) thank you um whereas like dating and comedy is like I I have a joke about that too I'm like I went through a phase where I would only date mediocre comics because they know how to choke um (laughs) and I wrote that joke about a really specific comic who really did not like it but that joke was about him um (laughs) and uh but yeah, I mean, it's hard. I didn't date. I've been single since I was 22, 23. 
um, since I got into porn. Basically, I never dated anyone while I was in porn. Um, it just wasn't like it wasn't my focus. And yeah. I did end up like in a kind of a long distance relationship the last year I was in porn. And it was like it, I had just like met someone that really kind of uh, like changed my life and changed my perspective that I really fell for. And it was one of the things that started me like the gears in my head turning of, OK, we're going to do something else at, at some point. And mm-hmm. I really admire I know a lot of sex workers that are in very happy relationships, very happy monogamous yes. relationships. Um yes. I'm not capable of that, turns out. <laughs> um I uh I couldn't do it. Like it became I mean, I would cry when I was going to work. And not because I didn't want to go to work or because I didn't like my job, but just like I really didn't want to fuck anyone else. Oh boy. And that was so hard for me, but it also I think was so good for me. That's a, yeah, but that's, that's a problem if you're, if you're doing adult, because you know, then yeah, I understand. It just started the Uh, gears turning of being like, okay, like I am going to do something else. And and that was right mm -hmm. when I started getting into stand up as well. And Mm -hmm. uh, so initially I'd planned like 2020, I was going to phase out like through the year and then COVID happened. So it sped everything up, but um, I am dating Mm -hmm. someone right now, which is really cool. Um, Nice. Yeah, another like former sex worker, and she's amazing. Oh, good. And mm, nice. yeah, and we're not monogamous, but very honest with each other. And I just feel really loved and really seen, and and that's really wonderful. So I feel really lucky. That's beautiful. Yeah. Now, what do you think the future of porn and online sex work looks like? Oh my god. I can't believe I wrote this question. This is such a hard question to answer. <laughs> I have like such empathy for all of the people I interview now. <laughs> um, <laughs> turns out I ask really hard questions. Uh, hey, there you go. I really think that this past year, and I know there's been a lot of discussion, um, discourse around OnlyFans and porn and, and Pornhub and everything that's been going on this year. Um, I love the idea of having like more like bespoke porn like that you really buy directly from the creator whether it's on OnlyFans yeah. or any other platform um where you support them individually for my brand that works really well so I'm really lucky for that um mm. and uh so I like that a lot I think we're really having more serious conversations about labor and especially women's labor um through the pandemic, like if we look at like a job, like net job losses in the United States in December, a hundred percent of job losses were women. Jesus. And December, is that crazy? It was in the New York times, obviously mm. fucking crazy. So we're really starting to see more people that maybe in the past would have been like, I would never do porn. I would never do sex work that are now on OnlyFans, And I, you know, obviously you want women to have as many options as they want for what kind of labor that they do. But I think a lot of people are starting to realize that like, Hey, it really is the girl next door. It's okay for women to be publicly sexual in a consensual environment with people that are over 18. Like it's, that is okay. And I kind of had joked even when I first got into porn, cause like I went to college, I have like two degrees and when I first got mm. into porn, a lot of people were like, you're throwing your life away. What the fuck is wrong with you? And I was like, give it 10 years. Every single person's nudes are going to be on the internet. Mm-hmm. And I like, not even four years later, I feel so yeah. vindicated in that sure. prediction is that yeah. we're, I really think that we're starting to have a, a greater cultural discourse around what porn is, what it can be and who it can benefit. Um sure. Because, you know, like I said earlier, it's one of the only professions where it has a very low barrier of entry. Like you need an iPhone and an Internet connection. Right. Mm -hmm. Like you don't need to have all of these things that we associate with being really successful and like generational wealth. You don't have to have those kinds of connections. You can really make a very comfortable living from your phone. Um, That's huge for women. Right. So I, I love that. I think that's fantastic. I, and whenever I talk to people that want to get into sex work or that are curious about it, I just say, you know, it's, it is a job like anything else. It's a unique job. It's a very difficult job. Um, but it can be a really rewarding job. And I also think that too, like just the ways we talk about labor, right? Mm -hmm. Like I, a big part of why I got into porn was because I didn't want to work 80 hours a week. Right. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. My friends, the guy I got out of school with, you know, that went and got these 
incredible internships in San Francisco and New York and blah, blah, blah. I mean, <laughs> they were working 80 hours a week for $20 an hour and just getting yeah. absolutely bombed every weekend because they were miserable. And I didn't want that to yeah. be my life. Yeah, I understand. You know, understand. especially in your 20s when you're young and you can travel and you have the energy to go do things. You don't have yeah. kids. You don't have those responsibilities. Like I wanted to enjoy my 20s and I really think I did a pretty good job at that. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. obviously, and they're they're far from over. Um, how did you transition from the adult industry into mainstream comedy and podcasting? Uh, by being really stubborn and not shutting up until people listen to me. <laughs> um, no, I just I kind of took what I had, and I I just took stock of what I was doing, and when I'd started doing stand up and everything, and being like, okay, you know, like. I want to do this. And I, I never went into it with the attitude of like, and I kind of learned this from porn, especially too. Like I never went into it with the attitude of like, I don't deserve to be here. Like I, I really, I, I got a lot of, a lot of self-confidence from doing porn. Um, I think it's hard mm -hmm. not to, right. You're in this environment all the yeah. time where people are telling you you're so hot you're so beautiful. You're so great. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's hard not to like fluff your own ego a little bit. <laughs> um, but for me, I really needed that because I did not have high self-esteem when I was younger. Um, okay. I did not feel that way about myself. And so mm. for me, like getting into porn really was like, okay, if I could do this here. And I mean, I moved to LA, like I look back on it. I'm like, oh my God, if I knew myself three years ago, moving mm -hmm. to LA, I would have been like, don't do it. <laughs> I'm so glad it worked out as well as it did. I, I would have worn myself off of it. I'm, I'm glad I wasn't there to do that to myself. Um, but like not my favorite, not my favorite place, but that's okay. <laughs> I mean, I love it. I get why people don't love it. I really do think people are going to talk about LA in like 2020, 2021, the way that they talked about like New York in the seventies mm. where it's like, it was disgusting and there's hobo piss everywhere, but it was gritty and it mm. was raw and it was real. And you couldn't have hacked okay. it back then. You know what I mean? Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, I'll buy, I'll buy that. <laughs> but, uh, no, I mean, I, I just went into it and I, like said what I thought and I worked hard and I made those connections. I mean, I think another big thing about porn that people don't really talk about, like you can build up a huge online following and have all of these followers on Twitter, Instagram, Pornhub, whatever. Like you really build a name for yourself. And I, um, I'm good friends with Carter Cruz, who's another performer who's also mm -hmm. a DJ. And she, she and I talk about this all the time where she's like, when I built the brand of Carter Cruz, I built it to be, I'm this fucking dope ass chick who can do anything. <laughs> Not I'm Carter yeah. Cruz, the porn star. And I, I, mine was the same mentality where I was like, I'm Kate Kennedy. I'm fucking rad. Like mm -hmm. I can do whatever. Um, right. And I think having that bigger mindset where you can do porn, you can do sex work, you can do adult work. And you also want to leave room to do other things in your life that you want to do. Um, cause the most successful people that I see in the porn industry are not people that just do porn, hmm. right? They're that, people that, that have other side ventures, whether it's hmm. backend production it, within the industry, whether it's, I know people that own clothing boutiques and soap companies and yeah. all this random other stuff and, and do comedy and stuff. And, and those are the people that I see later being very happy, very successful, very fulfilled. Mm -hmm. that, that brings up that brings up a question. You live in L.A., so, you know, obviously the question would come up. Uh, do you have interest in mainstream film work? Um, I just joined Central Casting and hey, there you go. Um, yeah, because one of my friends hit me up and was like, hey, you have three like a dog, right? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> he's like, there's a casting call for a three-legged dog and an owner. So I like submitted squeegee and I, and I don't think we got a call back. Um, I know it's okay. I don't really, I, I really want to be a writer. Um, mm. uh, I write a lot and, uh, I would yeah. really love to be a writer on a, a show, like a sitcom, uh, especially oh, yeah. like adult animation. I always kind of joke like, like something like big mouth would be like mm. right up my alley. Um, I love adult animation. Yeah. I love South park and family guy and everything. I'm, been a huge mm -hmm. fan of that since I was very young. So, um, and that's a great thing about comedy too in LA and especially being around the comedy store is that like the, it's very generational, right? So like my friends mm -hmm. right now, my good close friends in LA are like the next 
people that are going to come up that are starting to open for like Bill Burr and are going on the road with, you know, whoever. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's really cool. And so, you know, that like people that hire for those shows, they hire their friends. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, like I want to be in a writer's room for something like that. And I'm actually in a writer's sure. room right now. So it's exciting. Um, nice. yeah. So, I mean, that's what I want to do. I, I don't have a lot of ambitions to be in front of the camera as like an actress. Uh, I kind of <laughs> joked that I always thought I was pretty bad at acting, even in porn, um, <laughs> which is saying something. Cause although I will say there are incredible actors and actresses in porn. I was not one of them. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm definitely more of a writer. I love stand up because I just I kind of joke to him like I can really only play myself or like versions of myself. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I love it. Um, well, you know, hey, you may be sur- right now surrounded by the next people that will be on SNL and shows like that. Actually, one of my friends just got SNL last summer. It was really exciting. Hey, hey yeah. who's that? Uh, Punky Johnson. She got SNL and uh-huh. it was really cool. I mean, like I only met her a couple of times at uh-huh. the store but um Sweet. she yeah we all had we took a big picture with her and had uh-huh. her name up on the marquee um uh-huh. and it was really exciting it's just so cool to get to like be around people like that they get to yeah. go on to do these incredible yeah. things like you're so That's excited giant. for them yeah huge so what do people get wrong about your job that you wish they understood okay i asked this question to all of the girls in the show uh-huh. too because <laughs> oh, i think that's so good um I think the biggest thing people get wrong is how much not just creativity goes into it, but how much drive has to go into it. Like it's Mm -hmm. fucking hard to film content when you're exhausted and you don't feel sexy and you've gained a couple of pounds and you're pale and you have the hair of like the gay little brother of one of the Basie rollers, which I do right now. Um, (laughs) I've been cutting my own hair for a year. I have not gotten more sober while I do it or better at doing it. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, it's not great. Um, It's hard. It's really hard to like consistently be coming up with like new ideas for content. You're really a one man operation, right? Like Mm -hmm. my whole Mm -hmm. only thing is like I have to create, write, shoot, edit, like style it. And Mm -hmm. then like put it up by myself like and sell it like that's yes an enormous amount of work like i when i was in college i worked at an advertising firm um for a couple of years and i ended up like running their internship program and it worked really hard but like we had a staff of 30 people that were creating less content on a weekly basis than i create alone now wow yeah no wonder you do so well there. So like it's, I know you didn't hire me after college. My life would have gone in a very different direction. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad guess. now in retrospect, I'm glad, but sure. um, yeah, I mean, it's, it really is ours. I have like five different calendars, right? I have mm-hmm. to write everything down. I am constantly jotting down ideas like, and also just understanding that like, cause you can get really caught up in it too, right? It's a job that mm. you can do anytime. Yes. You, you're your own boss and I joke that I'm an absolutely fucking terrible boss I'm the worst <laughs> boss I've ever had and I used to work for this little Chinese woman that hit me if she saw me using my phone oh, um, I know I worked in bridal for a while while I was in college and if she saw me like texting <laughs> she would just smack me and I'd be like you can't t- do that yeah, really. to your empl- like I'm, I don't mean to be insensitive but this is America like you cannot do that that's really not cool um <laughs> And then I quit. I'm getting the visual, I'm you, getting, getting the visual, the visual right? She was like four eleven. She was like teeny tiny. And then I finally quit. And then like two weeks later, I'm not giving. I'm not shitting you. Two weeks later, her son drowned. Oh no! I know. And he was like fifteen. Wow. It was terrible. It's a terrible. It's really sad. But like, how awkward of a sympathy card is that? To right? Yeah. Like, I'm so sorry that you're. And also, he was definitely her favorite. Like she was very clear that she liked him better than the other kid. Chinese, yeah, Chinese son, man. Oh, that's that's tragic. It was very tragic. tragic. Um, like, but it is like you have to like I really build in days for myself where I'm like you have to take the day off. You have to relax. You have to not work. Like you have to close the door on the office, whatever, because it you put an enormous amount of pressure on yourself, and you're always too like constantly inundated with all of this all of the people that you follow on Twitter, on Instagram, whatever, like you're 
coworkers, colleagues that are also doing it. And you can get in a mindset of feeling like I'm not doing enough. I'm not good enough, et cetera, et cetera. And, and it's so hard to break out of that. And so I really just try to be so kind to myself all the time because it's a hard job. You got to. Yeah. Well, Kate, this has been absolutely delightful. I'd like to thank you for being our guest today on Adult Safe Broker Talk. And I really hope we'll get a chance to do this again really soon. <laughs> me too. Thank you so much for having me. And um, anyone listening, please go listen to our podcast. Uh, it's Cam Girl Chronicles presented by I'm Live. And you can find it at camgirlpod.com. My broker tip today is part two of how to buy a site. Last week, we discussed first deciding the type of site you want to buy and then establishing what your budget is. Next, it's time to look for your new website. So where do you look? Well, Adult Site Broker is a great place to start. We always have a nice variety of website and non-website properties for sale. But if there's a particular type of site you want, we can also act as your buyer's broker to help you find just the right site. Other places to look are boards like xbiz.net and gfy.com, but to be completely honest, unless what you're looking for is a really low-end property, you're probably not going to find what you're looking for there. Of course, you could contact site owners yourself, but take it from someone who does it for a living. It's a major hassle, and it can be really hard to even find out who owns the site. Almost all adult sites use Whois privacy from their domain registrar, so when you send them an email, it will be to an anonymous address, and in most cases, the emails aren't even returned. We have a huge database of sellers and generally know who owns what. And if it's a website of note, if we don't know who owns it, we can always find out. We'll talk about this subject more next week. And next week, we'll be talking to sex tech expert, Nina Sine. And that's it for this week's Adult Side Broker Talk. I'd once again like to thank my guest, Kate Kennedy. Talk to you again next week on Adult Side Broker Talk. I'm Bruce Friedman. <laughs>